Welcome to Shas Illuminated. Please enjoy the following shear. It's very, it's very unusual that the second day of this man is usually we're still in the hello stage of the year. At the end of the year, there are plenty of goodbyes. At the second day of this man, we're typically Isaac and, and hellos and welcoming people and together getting comfortable that, that are to getting comfortable. And our job to helping people get comfortable, that's the main focus, a big focus, is helping guys get comfortable. And, and that's the main thing we're thinking about. I want the guys, certainly the guys that ha- are returnees here, to please think about that, Yehuda. There's so many new guys. This journey will be an incredible year. Their guy at the beginning, you have an uncertainty where to put myself, where to go, and guys feeling uncomfortable. Will I ever belong? Especially coming from school environment where you're told exactly where to be. And you're in trouble if you're not. So you simply, you have to be, so you go class to class. So the guy goes from an environment where he was told where to be minute by minute of the day. And Waterbury is much harder when you're not told where to be. It brings up a lot of insecurities. and un- Do I belong here? Could I be here? Do I fit here? You come to share this room, that room. And I asked the guys, and the main focus of guys who've been here already, help people get comfortable. They'll find their schedule, they'll find their relationship, find their connections, help guys adjust. And that's a big mindset, certainly on my mind a lot now. I, want, I plan on spending the year, you decline, I plan on spending a lot of time. Right now I'm busy helping a guy who just came, many guys who just came, trying to get comfortable, trying to find their way, trying to feel the place. That dominates my mind right now. I've asked the dorm counselors to be dominated by thoughts of getting guys comfortable, the rebellion, dominated by thoughts of just helping guys find their place. That, my mind's so occupied here, it's like funny on the second day of the yeshiva to say goodbye. And, and really there's somebody I feel very, very close to. We've been zaychet to have real conversations, especially in the last six months, in the last kufa of our friendship, we've had some very, very meaningful conversations. And Rev. Srili Kader is somebody who has a long history in the yeshiva, part of the yeshiva, giving to the yeshiva, working with the yeshiva, working for the yeshiva, and he's, he's headed to Florida today. The, and, and he's leaving, he's leaving the yeshiva. We, we're optimistic and hopeful and asking that he comes back, that he comes back often. He always has a place here and always is welcome here, but it is, there is a period of goodbye. I'll be honest, my mind now is like saying hellos, and this, the end of the year, if he was leaving, it was like the flow was goodbyes, and today it's hellos, but Srilly's going, and he's moving to Florida. The reason he's here at the beginning is he helped us transition. Morty Munchik is doing some of the work that Srilly was doing for the yeshiva, and he kindly stayed on to help the transition, to help the year get off to a good positive start. When I think about Rav Srili, there's, there's a lot of pictures. I'm a very visual guy. My mind goes to like a picture. My picture, and Srili is, 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 is somebody who honestly likes learning Torah. Just that alone. Somebody in our base mesh who has an honest like for Limerat Torah is somebody who, um, 
amongst the many character traits and types and kind, just as an honest like for learning Torah. And my picture, when, we, when the yeshiva five years ago was shut down, and we were sitting in tents in Muncie, and it was a complicated time. Srili sat in that tent. Srili sat in that tent learning all day. He was learning with guys. At a very difficult time in the yeshiva, he was there, very sturdy, very steady, doing his learning, connecting to guys, being there for guys. That's something I'll never forget, that picture. The picture is a picture of loyalty. The picture is a picture of Abbas Atayra. The picture is a picture of friendship. We were all very rocked. Guys like the yeshiva, guys had been here years, and all of a sudden we're not here, we're sitting in Mansi. It was unsettling, very. None of us knew the future of the yeshiva. Now we look back, we got back after two months. It wasn't Pashat. It wasn't simple. And at like this unsettling time, he was there. Absurdly was there, giving, learning, caring, friendship. I saw a lot of loyalty and, and this is this is something forever I'll be I have a lot of gratitude for that picture is what I saw the whole time here. A loyal friend, a good friend. Many, many guys benefited from Rev Srilli's friendship. I spoke yesterday I spoke yesterday about using parts of all our parts have a place in the base medrash. All our parts have a place. The best givers you know of, I know people who are astounding givers, have a taker's part to themselves. And there's a place for the taker's part. I have a friend, a different friend I'm thinking of, who likes nice things. He likes money a lot. He doesn't pretend about it. He likes nice things. Part of the, of the picture of this great giver, the fact that he likes nice things motivates him to work hard. It motivates him to go to work. And it forms and is part of a context, context of a tremendous giver. And I want to say that Srili is somebody, as a friend, he likes nice things. He doesn't, he likes nice things and it's so cool. All our parts have a place. We don't have to like pretend and hide. And Srili in our friendship, and especially in the end of our friendship, we both spoken very honestly and all his parts, the part of us that likes nice things, that's so cool, and that has a place in the picture of the servant of Hashem, that has a tremendous place. The one I know, the people that I know who are the biggest givers, take the part, we all have, a, we all have some part of us that wants to take. When a guy dates a young lady, he's not thinking, I, I'm just a giver, I want to give to her, he's thinking about taking. He has a pretty girl, a nice girl, but she's going to be good to me. And his thoughts have taken in the context of the most important giving of his life. He's going to marry her and give to her. And the taking and the want to, to have and to have became a piece of the puzzle in the life of a giver. It's all a question of what dominates, what controls what, what's in charge. Many people, there were great gedolim who liked nice things. And in the context, controlled, and, and Hashem gave them that tchun, and it was used in the context, controlled by a ben by a learner, by a giver, and one piece of the puzzle that actually has a place, can actually drive the person and fit into the person, but it's, it's under the power and the domination of Taira, of service of Hashem. So I just, all of our journeys, all of, the, all of us, the continuous journey of our life, we want the dominant factor of ourselves to be sincere service, 
to be the part that's a giver, and then we take all our other parts and we find their, their healthy place. I want to thank Reb Surly, really on behalf of everybody. It's relevant, there are new guys here who haven't met Reb Surly yet. So to take your time and thank him, I want to say like this, if you had no shaykhs to him, and he simply put impact in the yeshiva, you'll see over the year new guys come, no one, new people will come who you have no connection to, I want you to meet. Because this yeshiva is not walls. We're the furthest thing from worlds. We're ideals. And guys who came and sincerely served Hashem, sincerely brought courage and created a certain atmosphere, that's the yeshiva. The yeshiva is the guys. This summer, Rev. Aryeh Weiss asked the cash on me. And he like teased, I'll speak a lot about the, the shitas, the theories of the yeshiva. And he said, what are you doing? They're your theories. What do you call the yeshiva's theories? What are you doing? You're playing humble? The yeshiva holds the yeshiva. You're saying it. Stop calling yourself the yeshiva. And the answer is a thousand percent not true. I was changed by this yeshiva. I met guys, I met guys who were willing to be honest and open. I grew up in a world, a very good world, beautiful people, and I accomplished. I didn't know the world inside. And guys are teaching, and slowly I'm learning the world of the guys inside. When I say the yeshiva holds, I mean the collective yeshiva holds. I mean that I've learned it from guys, and together on our journey, we're discovering things. So, Stam, if somebody had no shaykhs to walks in, you're going to meet brothers this year, Noah. A guy's going to show up to yeshiva you never met. He created the environment you're living in. But by Rav Sruli, it's more than that. By Rav Sruli, he actually helped set up this man. He stayed on and physically got the dorms clean. God knows that going from the camps here are very, very Lebedic. And to get it from where it was to where it is, is a lot of work. And I want to thank, really on behalf of everybody, for all the years of dedication and care for the yeshiva, loyalty to the yeshiva, bringing his own journey. I want to thank Rav Sruli Kader for all he's done. I want to share a vert. I want to share a vert. That's that's what I want to tell you today. But I want to dedicate. I want to dedicate this vert to Absurly. Al yifter mechaver mitoch dvar halacha shemitoch kach zochreyu. I want to. I want to say a vert. Avram Feldman. I want you to hear this vert. I want to share a vert with 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 the chevra here. That's an important vert to me. That's a, a vert. It's not a vert. It's an important concept in Yiddishkeit to me. There's probably the least known mitzvah. Most, if you, if you poll Jews around the world, Yidin around the world, Sneaky, very few people know what this mitzvah is. Any guy who learned in this yeshiva for a period, a year, two or three, knows this mitzvah. It's a mitzvah that's not widely known in the world. You could check it out. You'll see in the world that it's just not widely known. There's a mitzvah you came here and you learned about, and I want to talk about this, this incredible mitzvah, Binyamin. It says, it says, Yasei tielecha ala zanecha. Four words, Eli. Yasei, Avi, amen. tielecha ala zanecha. I should say five words. Five words. It's in this past week's parsha of Kiseitzei, five words, Yasei Tielecha Ala Zanecha. Now, most people don't know, it's a mitzvah that I say. You know, in our Torah, we have a command to put on tefillin, we have a command to wear tzitzis, we have a command to sit in the sukkah, blow a shaifer, 
Eli, we have a mitzvah deraisa, Yosei Tielucha Alazanecha. I want to say mitzvahs are fascinating because mitzvahs, the Zayar calls mitzvahs eitzahs. Calls them adin or something. Not, he doesn't say the word eitzah. It's a word, I forgot the word. He can, many times calls mitzvahs advice. Now it's very fascinating to call mitzvahs advice. Why would you call a mitzvah advice? They're obligations. And the Zayar is frequent, Avi, to call mitzvahs advice. Very strange. It's an advice to put on tzitzis. You're obligated to put on tzitzis. It's advice to put on tefillin. It's advice to sit in the sukkah. It's advice to blow the shaifer. And yet the Zayar Yisrael frequently calls mitzvahs advice. Jacob, why is he calling mitzvahs advice? So I think there are two elements to every mitzvah. Every mitzvah is a klal and a prat. It's a generalization and a specific. What do I mean by that? Every mitzvah, blow the shaifer, is a command to blow the shaifer. But it also teaches you something about the service of Hashem. It's a klal. Besides a prat, a specific chayuv, to blow the shaifer, it teaches me something in general about the service of Hashem. When the Zayar calls mitzvah's advice, he's not talking about that it's advice to blow a horn. That's a chayuv. He's talking about that you can plug into the Chiyuv and learn something and study it and learn advice about how to behave when you're not blowing the shaifer. In every job of your life, there's the shaifer aspect. Us chasidim, there's a l'shem yichod we say before we do a mitzvah. And we say on every mitzvah, taryag mitzvah satluyim boy. 613 that hang on this mitzvah. In every mitzvah, there's the sukkah in the mitzvah. You know, there's the sukkah in Shaifer, there's the sukkah in Sitzis. What does it mean there's the sukkah in there? Sitzis. Sukkah tells me how to serve God. And in every service of God, you listen to that advice and you bring the sukkah element into it, Shlaima. So it's important to study mitzvahs besides the command, their lessons about service of Hashem. So this mitzvah is a mitzvah that I want to learn. It's a very obscure mitzvah. It's not commonly known. It's one of the 613. Of course. I'm not going to go around and fahering. People who have been here before know what the mitzvah is. And new guys probably never heard of this mitzvah. I'd be shocked if one new guy could stand up and say, I know that mitzvah. <laughs> the mitzvah deraisa of Yaseid Tiel Lucha Allah Now what that means, what is this mitzvah, this command of Hashem? The command of Hashem is the Jewish army is fighting. And the Jewish armies fight. Every soldier has an obligation. It's very, very normal in wars of old, in wars of old, it's very, very... If you study wars, it matters a lot to travel light. Wars are fascinating studies. If anybody's been following the war of Russia and Ukraine, the lines have not moved. They fought now for a year and a half and the lines are not moving. There's people, smart people who have studied this war, who are studying the war, have observed that the front, the lines are not moving. They fought a year and a half. They're moving like inches. The main front lines are not moving. It's very complex because tanks used to be the way, when an, when an, when an army digs in, it's very hard to get them out. 
tanks became the equalizer. Countries would roll tanks and they'd move the front line. The problem is they developed they develop today sophisticated weapons that can blow up tanks. You could buy cheap. It costs pennies, and they now have pennies compared to the tanks, where they now have sophisticated, and it's everybody's stuck. They can't move the front lines. It's not moving. Because tanks used to move the front lines. You rolled in your tanks. So the nation that was richer, more powerful, can afford more tanks. Russia, in this case, would be the richer country, would take tanks and move Ukraine. Problem is now, for a few Gratian, the Ukraine has things that can blow up tanks. So now nobody can move each other's front lines. It's a big, big problem. They're trying to figure it out. Tanks became obsolete because they have guns that one guy can come and blow up 100 tanks. So now they can't move the front line. It's a big, big problem in war. They don't know what to do. Neither side has figured it out. And it's just barely, barely moving. So war, how war works, what happens by war is fascinating. That's at least one theory of what's going on between Russia and Ukraine. Anybody who's watching it, it's like strange. Get videos and study. Look online. You can see where the lines are. Nobody's moving anybody. And no more tanks. They can't figure out how to move people. If you're, if you're in that position, you're stronger, you're a mochzik boy, and the others can't come. But the bottom line is, is soldiers of old, it mattered a lot, speed and moving and trying to overrun positions. And the very important basic of war is to travel light so you can run fast. And the Jewish soldiers, besides the normal weaponry, carried more stuff. And what we carried is this mitzvah that I say, Yaseh Tielcha, Yaseh is a shovel. A Yaseh is a shovel. Yaseh Tielcha, Jewish soldier has a tzivli deraisa to carry a shovel. Allah zanecha, on top of your weapon tree. You have a chiv deraisa to carry a shovel besides your normal weapons. Now that's fascinating. You don't want to travel heavy because it slows you down. That's not a good idea in war. In war, the swifter and quicker win. And yet, the Jewish soldier goes a little heavier. We looked weird, our army. Our army looked different. Every single army, they had bayonets. And they faced each other with ever weapons, with the weapons of the Taimash. The Jewish soldiers, bizarrely, clanking in the back of their, on the, in their sheets, or whatever they carry their weapons, they had a shovel. And it was the mitzvah, the raisa of Gershon, Yasei Tiel Chalazanecha. You must have a shovel besides your weapons. That's a chiyuv the raisa. What's the point of this mitzvah, the raisa? Soldiers lose control of their body. That's what happens by wars. I read an account of Normandy. A soldier describes you're on the battlefield and you hear shrieking the likes of what you never heard in your life and you realize it's you shrieking. Sounds come out of your body that you don't control. You're completely out of control. The typical soldier uses the facilities against his will. He soils his garments. You become like an animal. People are dying all around. Bullets are flying. People lose bodily control. If you know, if you study the severe PTSD, soldiers come back and they struggle with something for 50, decades later. 10, 20, 30 years. The basics of PTSD is at that moment you feel like an animal. You have no control of your body and it's very, very difficult 
to then later on feel I'm human again. You walk around deeply, I'm an animal. Identity, that's what a person feels. I don't feel human. I don't feel human. That's at the core of PTSD. Somebody goes through a traumatic experience and their identity, it's not so easy. It's not now normal. If I felt that way then, it becomes my identity. I feel that's who I am. People who struggle with addiction, even at other moments, if they would function and thrive, but the sense of that moment that I was out of control, that I behaved a certain way, I live with an identity. I'm an animal. I'm not human. I'm not ready. I can't fool myself. And the mind will go back to those moments that I felt and experienced a certain way, and it dominates who I am. And the danger of any war is the danger of feeling I'm an out-of-control guy because that's what happens during war. And the Jewish soldier has a shovel in his backpack. And the shovel is a point of dignity that if he uses the facility, clean up. If he uses the... is the point. The shift when he's outside, the chafartba, dig with it, and cover the kisisa seischa. Cover that which comes out of you. Dignity. Dignity. To use the facility in a dignified way. Now this didn't have to be a mitzvah. Hashem could, you know, soldiers, we could figure things out. Not everything's written in the Torah. What a fascinating. Our Torah commands a Jewish soldier, carry a shovel. For if you lose, use the facility and you lose control, you're going to cover that which you did. You're going to act dignified. Now it sounds, the second day of this man, what a, if you thought Waterbury is weird, it's getting really weird. The second day of this man, I came here to learn about a mitzvah that rice that if a Jewish soldier loses control, cover, cover yourself, bring along a shovel. He has a tzivoy da To bring a shovel is the realization, I am a dignified human being who may have a difficult moment, who may have a loss of control, who may in the moment of bullets flying lose control, but I'm a dignified person and he carries a shovel in his backpack. Now you come to Waterbase, are you planning on being in the army? If if there there may be some people of a dream, Israeli army, American army, cool. So we came here, but the average guy here is not planning on being a soldier. But in the army? And we came here, I don't know. We came here with the Tzivu Dereis, I learned, Besides your weaponry, carry a shovel, a mitzvah daraisa. I cannot think of a more relevant mitzvah daraisa to all our lives. And I think the battle for our lives is a battle for identity. Who am I? What am I? What am I about? What's my essence? And the Jewish soldier who is acknowledged by Hashem that every shoulder, do you know in the army, there's always a tremendous amount of promiscuity, always. It emerges from time to time about people doing terrible acts, terrere acts of pretzels, all different types of acts. In Eretz there's I don't know too many people who don't hold of having an army. If a country would be all from, of course we should have an army. There's no controversy about an army. I don't know maybe there's some quack somewhere. I don't think there's a person, a, a, a nation has, has an army that's basic to a nation. The question about 
Yeshiva Bachram fighting an army, the way I understand it, I don't represent anybody but myself. But of course, a person speak, fights an army, and if we have a from country fight an army, the problem is that it's very, very vulnerable to be a soldier. Because war brings out dark places in a person and brings out moments of discontrol where people lose bodily control. And the danger, if there's not the proper care and love and supervision and encouragement of a person stop feeling human and stop being a human being is a danger of armies. There's a lot of conversation about inappropriate behavior specifically among soldiers. The correlation is, is that you stop feeling human because there's a loss of bodily control. And that's very, you could look and study PTSD, the sense that I lost my humanity. I'm not a dignified, precious soul. I've lost the sense, I've become very physical. The nature of the danger on the battlefield makes a person feel like a cow. It's just bare instinct and survival. I lose the humanity, I lose my das, my seichel, all the parts and the elevated parts of self. On the battlefield, it's just survive and instinct dominates and takes over the person. And the Jewish soldier, all while this is happening, has a tzivu, he has a shovel that's clanking on his back. That's telling him, retake dignity. That's telling him if something comes out of your body and your clothing are soiled and something happens, you have a shovel, clean up. You're a dignified human being, a beautiful person. And that sivu yiv yasei tielchal azanecha is a rallying call. To me, a rallying call to every single yid, to every single yid, a rallying call of identity. I was there, Rev. Dun Segel said, I heard this with these ears, the great Torah giant, Rev. Dun Segel, that's sad. Rev. Dun Segel. Rev. Dun Segel is half the year in America, half in Eretz Yisrael. He's a mashkiach. He is a very, very holy person, Reb Dan Segel. He's a tzaddik. He does not talk. I believe he's not talking today. I don't think he talks, Jacob, from Ashkadesh Elul till after Yom Kippur, those 40 days. I don't think he talks for 40 days. He's preparing for Yom Kippur. So I don't think he talks now, my understanding. He is a, a giant of a yid, a tzaddik, a very, very special yid. He has a special need son to watch him take care of that son. Incredible, incredible human being, Reb Dun Segel. He's in America half the year, in Eretz Yisrael half the year. Very, very big tzaddik. I heard Reb Dun Segel say that Hashem takes away the choice from every yid and allows the Yitzhahara to entice a yid to do an Avera. And it becomes the challenge of his life to say, who you fooling? You know what you've done? Really? The Yitzhahara entices the person to sin. The person's been through something. I would say the biggest threat to our nation today is shame. This is in Hasidish, Yeshivish, modern. It, it doesn't differentiate communities. But there's a lot of access today. And the youngster who doesn't feel like a human being... And it says to him, you know what you did in 7th grade, 6th grade, 10th grade, 12th grade. The sense of shame that's so prevalent, Reb Dun Segel spoke about it. And the battle is a battle for identity. To always carry a shovel which announces that deeper than all, I'm a dignified human being. 
I'm a precious, elevated, sincere human being. I'm a soul that's precious. Yeah, there are challenges. Yes, there's difficult moments. Yes, there are mistakes. All true. But what, what's, what's deepest at my core, what's most, most true, is a dignified, beautiful human being. I can't think of a mitzvah. Somebody, one of the Bacham, the yeshiva, is an artist, and he put up Asher Yatzar signs around the yeshiva, and he had the shovel. He had a picture. He tried, up to, he tried to work off of Yasei Tielucha Zanecha. The dignity and sense of, of, of preciousness that is a human being, that to have a shovel. Yasei Tielucha Zanecha. I think this, I think this, this mitzvah daraisa that commands the soldier that there may be moments of loss of control, that there may be moments that you're relegated to very physical and you're only in touch with your physical, but to always remember the deeper truth that was something more dignified and more, and was something more than a behemoth, was something, was something deep and profound and elevated, and to always keep that in mind, that's the eights of this mitzvah. So the tzivli of the mitzvah is to carry a shovel. And that's relevant only to soldiers. The eights of the mitzvah is relevant to any human being who's alive today. That yasei tiel chalazanecha. To always find a way to find. I could, you could ask, so what's, the sh- what's our shovel? What's our figurative shovel? And each person, I can't answer the question. It's, it's a good question. It's a question I ask myself. But to find ways, and, and this is something that every year has to figure out ways that in their identity, in their identity to always remember profoundly that who I am. One of the first prayers we say every single morning, waking up, My soul is pure. It's one of the first statements a Yid makes every single morning. There's a reason we're starting the day with that. And, and a lot of the struggle of our existence is a struggle for identity. Who am I? Who am I? We're living in an age when people are asking identity questions. Who am I? Who am I? People are asking these questions. I don't look at it as a generation that was so crazy. You have nuts today. They're even asking, am I this? Am I that? What am I? And I actually think it's cool. It's not cool that people don't know who they are. What's cool is that people want to know who they are. I think that's cool. Because I think people are looking very pneumistic. We're not just saying, just do and forget. Forget your insides. No. There's a generation that's saying, I'm not forgetting. What am I about? What, who am I? Identity. And this mitzvah daraisa that focuses, that don't lose sight of who you are. Yasei til hazanecha. Carry a shovel. So I thought that Rav Sroli's headed to work. To work in a yeshiva, it's easier to remember your identity. Everything in a yeshiva screams and announces to us, I'm a yid. I'm a ben tyra. It's very, here you don't have to carry a shovel. The very yeshiva is an announcement, is a, is a tremendous, powerful announcement. You can't be in Durham, you can't watch people get close to Hashem and not have a sense of who we are. I learned, I, in ninth grade, I finished getting in ninth and tenth grade ten times. I am much closer to Hashem because of the guys in the yeshiva. I have met guys struggling who barely open a gemara who are closer to Hashem than I was in ninth and tenth grade. I did today. Guys who have thought about it and discovered their inside, that place that craves God, and there's tremendous pnimius here that lives in this yeshiva from the guys. 
And I want to say that being in this yeshiva and being around the guys, it's very easy to remember who you are. Because I see, the, I see people pushing towards the right. I see souls. I experience searching souls, discovering souls. So it's very easy. And Rebs really worked here and learned here. You learned in a place. I think this is a place. of. It's, I consider Durham and Werbe the safest place in the world. Safe because people express. It's safe because people are in touch with insights. So I consider it very safe. And the deepest safetyness is knowing that we're searchers, fellow searchers, trying to grow, trying to connect to Hashem, trying to be more authentic. I think it's a very safe place. I think leaving this place, Erev Srili's headed out there and going to work, and I wish him atzlach, making tremendous amounts of money will be good for the Jewish nation. I want him to support his wife and children, Be'ez Hashem B'Ravchus. But going on out there... <laughs> the yeshiva won't refuse any money. But going out there, going out there and accomplishing, going out there and accomplishing, I think in the world it's very, very dangerous identity. I think it's a world that things don't announce to us. Who are we? And in the pursuit, it's a beautiful pursuit to make money, to, 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 and, and to the parts of us that want to take. From the littlest of ages, we're grabbing mine. It's not a bad part of ourselves. We don't lose the part that wants to take. It gets under control of the part that wants to give. Avram, you hear what I just said? We don't lose the part of us that wants to take. It just gets owned by the part that wants to give. So the taker, the guy who's making big money and he's giving stuck and things, he still wants to take. It's just owned by the part that wants to give and he takes and gives meiser and chaymesh and much more. His system is healthily owned. We don't lose the taivas nashim. It's wonderful. It's just owned by the giver and he takes care of his wife. So all our parts have a place. The danger of going out there it is not bad that we're a physical body. The instincts aren't bad. The soldier's instincts cause him to survive. The danger is that he just becomes that. When he just becomes that, it leads to znus. He becomes just an animal. It wasn't bad that he's also instinctive, that he also has that part of himself. It's not a bad part of himself. The danger is to lose the other parts of himself. And the Jewish soldier has a shovel. So my parting message to Rev. Srili upon exiting the yeshiva, I don't know what your version of a shovel is. It might be the seder we have, it might be friendships, that could be all versions, but on top of all your weaponry, that all the tools that we need to fight in this world, we have to have a yaseh, that which reminds us of our dignity, that which reminds us of our humanness, that which reminds us of our godliness, that which reminds us of our largeness. So my bracha, my tefillah, my bakasha for Absroli and going out there to the world, he's, he, you learned here, you worked here. To go out there and work is, is awesome. All of us one day will support a wife, will support children. It's chesed, it's awesome. To go out there, chesed to ourselves, to our wife, to our children is awesome. Never forget what we are. The soul, never forget who we are. So that's my 
Vartira, that's the Mitaikasakreyu to Reb Sroli and my Bakasha for tremendous, tremendous atzlacha and all that you do. I'm gonna ask Ellie that maybe Sroli will share something with us, maybe he won't. I have I wanna to get to Musava. We're starting very late today, but I felt first to speak about this, Avrami. Maybe it wasn't so bad that we learned this, but I do want to um I do want to get to Musa, but there has to be a song, and then Rev. Sroli will have the opportunity to either speak or just give a bracha or to pass entirely. That will be his choice. Ellie Dax, if you can come forward. Shloim and David are both at weddings. Is that a true fact? Oh, right. Shlaim is at a similar kind of wedding. Ellie, his brother Ellie, is making up shirt. Hiring at my This is a new level, Okay. Okay. I want. I'm going to share what the words mean. Avrami, I'm going to share what the words mean, and then I want Ellie to sing it. It's not fair. He sang by wedding last night. The voice, and he doesn't have musical accompaniment, but I want you to learn these words. Klal Yisrael is saying, L'david Hashem Oiri, every night and every morning Yisrael during Elul. I'd like to share what the following, a Waterbury, a Bachman Waterbury, Menachem Rosner, a beautiful person, composed the song, Jacob, on these words. So I want you to learn the words and hear the song. The words are, Ki avi vi'imi azavuni. What? Ki avi vi'imi azavuni. I'm going to get the exact question I mean it about. Buying time cheap, really. I'm under. Ah, you got to do it. Thank you. The words are... Ki avi vi'imi azavuni. My father and mother will forsake me. Hashem Yasfeni, Hashem will always take me in. I remember once singing this song in my house, and a guy who had been neglected by his parents started crying. And he cried, it dawned on him, my father and mother could forsake me, Hashem will take me in. The question becomes, though, all of us will be parents. David HaMelech did not speak to only like somebody who had a traumatic father relationship to dad, to mom. What about in a healthy situation? Guys, parents will love him. So these words, my father and mother will forsake me and Hashem will take me in. You're talking about a father who loves his son, connected forever, unconditionally. A mama loves his daughter, her daughter, unconditional love. A tata and a mama. Not conditional, not if you're a good boy, then no, no, no. I love you, I love you, I love you. And this Pasuk says, my father and mother, how do I think in terms of my own children? Hudi Kalish this morning, Davin, and he said, my father and mother will forsake me and God takes no, me in. Won't. I love the guy. There's nothing in the world he could do that I would leave his side. And yet he read... I'm sorry? 
He didn't say it, and I'm still not leaving his side. So. <laughs> My father and mother will forsake me, and Hashem, what's it, who are we talking about here? A father, a tanda, who loves his child, a mama, and it says, Ki avi vi'imi azavuni Hashem yisafeni. Okay, so it's only relevant to that. Even. So Rebazi says, even if it would be so. Kavi means even. Even. Ki avi vi'imi. Even such a thing. Even if you would have a child, and this parent would forsake, I don't know if there's such a child, the parent would forsake. Is there, Avram, I want to pause for a second. Is there a parent in the world, what is the main prayers of any normal parent in the world? What, if anybody would come into my prayers, what are the main prayers that a parent has in the world? Viggy, what are the main prayers? In an honest way, I would say 99.9, what are the main prayers of a parent, any parent in the world? Viggy, yeah. Put that kids, yeah, yeah. Every parent, your dream, I'm not talking what you say. Any, any, is a hundred percent Jacob? Who are parents praying, Jacob, for their kids? That's the deepest desires for the health of their kids, emotional, physical, ruchness of our children. We're praying for our kids, Avram. A parent prays for his child. Do you know the deepest prayer ever of a parent for that child? I want to, I want to tell you, Vinyamin, the deepest prayer ever. Danny, as you one day, Yummy, you're gonna have children, Yummy, and you're gonna pray for your children. You're gonna pray one day for your children. In Yisrael, you're gonna pray for your kids because you're gonna care deeply. Hashem made it. A parent, a parent cares deeply for your kids. You pray. Do you know the deepest prayer for your children, Noah? The deepest prayer in the world, prayer is not what you say. You say it. What is the word prayer? What does lispalel mean? What does pilel mean? What does pilel mean? To think. Rashi says machshav. It means to judge also. Dante, Rashi. The other Rishonim say, Raya panecha loy pilolti loy chashavti. Pilel means to think. The deepest prayer is your perspective. What you see, what you think. The deepest prayer in the world, Viggy, for your child is when, you, when you're patient and loving no matter what. what you, your prayer is, I love my kid, he's my child. It doesn't matter, he did this, he did this to me, my big dreams, he's my kid. It's the deepest prayer of your life. You save the world when you have that prayer. When you are patient, understanding, loving, and caring for your child, no matter what he does, he's not a nachas machine, he's not exactly what you dream. He's my child. He's my child. She's my kid. And there's love, patience, understanding, respect. Tzviki, that's the deepest prayer of your life. You cause tremendous blessing, because what are you unleashing? God with your children. A dad loves his child. A mother loves her daughter. A mother loves her son. A parent loves their children. You unleash Rachmei Shemaim. When a person loves and cares and takes care of and respects, and it's not about the production back, Jacob is the deepest prayer of our life. The biggest prayer you will ever give in your life 
is one day you're going to have a child and you're going to be loving, understanding, patient, even if the child's not doing exact and not as manipulation to get them to do exactly your dreams. But it's just my child. That's the deepest prayer of your life. You know what you're saying? A dad loves his child. You unleash. A dad loves his child. A dad loves his child. Hashem hears that. That's the deepest prayer of your life. You said as a dad loves his child. The Rachmei Shemayim that come from that, somebody who's part of our Chabura, the mother for 18 years took care of a special needs child. She poured love into that kid. She didn't get Nachas back. The kid wasn't capable of giving Nachas back. You know the depth, Maish, of that prayer? A mama loves her daughter. You know the Rachmei Shemayim that comes out of that? It's profound there. A, a parent loves a child. It's deep. It's deep. That's, that elicits tremendous rachamei shemayim. It brings to the world. A parent loves a child. That's what it brings out. I've said many times, Reb Chaim Shmulavitz, there's a place in Eretz Yisrael, it's called um, Yad Avshalom. Avshalom was a wayward child of David HaMelech. He tried to kill his father. Can you imagine a child being so wayward, try to kill their dad physically, try to kill his father as he? Avshalom chased David HaMelech to extinguish him. I can't fathom the pain of such a father. I can't fathom it. I can't even say I'm visual. I can't visualize it. No, I refuse to try to picture that in my own children. I can't, I can't tell you I can relate to that level of pain. The child tried to kill the father. And David HaMelech prayed for Avshalom at a wayward, a sick child. And he prayed eight times. He said, God, beneath my son. And he prayed eight times beneath. Now in Eretz Yisrael, there's a place where they have some memorial for Avshalom. No intelligent person prays there. He was a bad dude who tried to kill his dad, Jacob. You don't know anybody. You'll never meet a guy in your life who comes back. I don't think. It's said, I prayed by Yad Avshalom. It's not a place of prayer. It's a place of a wayward son who tried to kill his dad. Yet there was one man, Jacob, who went and prayed there. Reb Chaim Shmulavitz. Reb Chaim Shmulavitz is the Shashiva of the Mir. My family is very important. He was my father's Rebbe. And Reb Chaim Shmuel Lovitz was a beloved Rosh Hashiva of the Mir and Eretz Yisrael, a beautiful person. And he went at least on one occasion and perhaps more to pray at Yad Avshalom, at, at, this, at this place. Somebody asked him, nobody prays there, you don't pray at Yad Avshalom, it's a crazy place. He went there at a time of need to pray there. And he said that I feel here is a place to pray that God were your children. And David HaMelech said on this wayward son, my child, and a father loves his son unconditionally, and he demanded from Hashem, we're your children. And he prayed at Yad Shalom remarkably. Because that was the deepest prayer of David HaMelech's life, he's my son, he's my son, Hashem. That unleashes, we're your children, Hashem. It's not dependent on behaviors. So what does it mean my father and mother will forsake me and God takes me in? Let's say they don't forsake me. So if a parent is, is a, not a focused parent, loses sight. Let's say a parent is very focused. And I want to say that parents are limited. Parents die. They don't mean to, but they die after 120. And then we're left without parents. Now they're in Shemayim and they're praying for us and they care. But parents leave even what's out of their control.
Many a child is mad at their parent for dying. And that even in life, there are places that a parent is limited. And with a parent, all what a parent means, every parent has the experience where you feel, I just wish I could do more, I can't help more. And that's what David Amel says, even in that place, the healthiest, most loving, most caring parent, but there's a place where it's beyond what they can't know, they can't help, they can't reach there. Hashem Yisafeni, Hashem takes me in there. Hashem's always there. Hashem's always. He's the loving parent who doesn't, there's no area there he can't go, there he can't reach. Hashem Yisafeni, Hashem takes me in. So it's beautiful, beautiful words that all of Klal Yisrael is saying. I'm going to ask Ellie, I feel, do you mind? Go. If you could sing it for the Chevra, and then we're going to hear from Sroli. I always mess up
seventh year of the guys that I'm seeing. When I first came, I'm not, uh, I don't have a little forewarning, I don't have, I don't have advice for anyone or, or uh, like a lesson or a vart. I just have, you know, a story. When I first came, it was, it, Yeshiva was very different. I was in a house with Nachum and, uh, there you go. Um, yes, for a shout out. Um, <laughs> I was in a house with Nachum and, and the guys that are we're here a long, long time ago. Eitan Hagler is my roommate. Chaim Galish is my roommate. Shur Roth is in the house. Um, Ezra Shulman was here then. When I first came, Rezi was still here. And most of the dorm counselors now were still in high school. Avi Bertram was still in high school. No, he was in high school. Um, and um, it's been... It's like... I last Rabbi Kielish asked me I think at 1.30 and must have scheduled for 2 so I knew I had like an extra 15.20 but it was still like 45 minutes to, to try to sum up a bunch of years when, I, I, I didn't go to Waterbury I didn't go there for high school and when I when, when I first, I remember Bakilish and Heller a couple of summers, over different summers, and um, I remember actually after 12th grade when the dorm was opening up, he told me I can't be a dorm counselor. Uh, I wasn't. It was like I was like, well, there's no shaykhs, I'm going to base medrash, like I didn't whatever. And two years later, that's where I was. And um, I came like I, I went to regular high school. I I definitely had certain like skills coming in. I I I knew how to learn. And I, I had some skills, but I wasn't, it didn't, I didn't learn a lot. I didn't, I wasn't like connected to it. I did two years of base medrash. I went to base medrash in Brooklyn. I did two years. I wasn't, I wasn't partying, but I wasn't, I wasn't like serious. I, I just, I just did it. I, I just did it. I just went through the schedule. And when I came, I remembered like Arya was very, I knew Arya from before. That's really how I got here. And, and he was like bothering me. Like, yeah, you're not, you're not going to be able to learn when you're there. And I was like, it was like a little, um, it's the, uh, Challenge. What's the word in Ladavid? Um, Manshur. Manshur, right? It's like a little, I'm going to, you know, let me prove him. So then I had like a certain amount of hours, I'm going to do a day. And then when, when the two months that, that Yeshiva closed down started, it was, I, I, was, I stayed by Rebbe for a bunch of weeks. 
And I, like, I was waking up late. It was nothing going on. I remember, like, we're not going to know how long this goes on for. And, like, like uh, you know, I got to decide, like, what do I want to do here? It can't just be vacation. And that's when I really, like, I plugged into learning. And I, I didn't do it before then. I, I, for, for a number of years after that, I was, I was, I mean, I was extremely, extremely serious about learning. And... It's... I, I don't know where to like, it's, it's, there's no place to start. Like, I, there's not like things I got here. I didn't get like, like, like some, I, I started working. I mean, I started in Yeshiva and I started working a year and a half ago, but two years ago, I, I, from there I, I've gotten things. There's tons of skills I could tell you that I have now that I didn't have before. I, I didn't get skills from Waterbury. I, anyone that knows me now, we, we, we know each other well, very, very well, a long time. And you know what I became here. I, I didn't. I wasn't something before I became here. I was a person, but I, I wasn't something. I wasn't. wasn't. I wasn't pathetic. I, there was just nothing. There was nothing there. It wasn't like developed. There was nothing developed. All the development that it happened here. Even I, I went to the mirror for a year. I, I lived here. I, I, everything I had was from here. Like you talk about, like planting seeds. Like every seed was planted here. It was watered here. It grew here, and everything I got was from here. I was going. Just thinking like. Almost all of my my close friends today are all people that I know through here. Nachum, Avi Bertram, uh, Yitzi Spiro. I mean, you could go on like my close close friends, Daniel Klein. They're all people that I met through through Waterbury. This is not I'm, I'm like a part of like I'm trying to like comfort myself. Like I'm not I'm not like like this is not like I'm not done. Like like okay like I'm gonna go live somewhere else. I have I'll be, I'll be around. And these are relationships that I'll keep up, and everyone, if I don't know you, you definitely reach out, but you're all welcome. Come come visit in Florida. Um, and, like, this is, it. it's definitely not, like, goodbye. Like, I, you can't, you can't, you can't have a goodbye from here. Like, this is the place you you live. Like, I, the rest of my life, like, I live here. We, we were made here. There's, um, I, I have a favorite spot on campus. It's not. It's not like a hidden spot. It's by by the Dover. If you know next to the Mystic, there's the Dover. There's a tree right by that tree. If you if you, there's like, it just it's like elevated there. So you look at it, you can see like far, and like there's all these houses, these random people. I don't know who would ever move to Durham, Connecticut, but all these random people that live here, like, and you picture their. We try to like understand other people's perspectives. Like they're fight. Like they're gonna you know like let's shut shut Durham down. Like there's kids there maybe doing drugs. You know like they have like some like like. Do they get the magic that, like, they're so close. They're so close. They're right here. You go on Pent Road, where the road right here. Like, they're so close. Like, the magic that exists here. How many thousands of people have come here and, and be it for two months or for seven years? Like, this has been their home. And, and they cannot be here now. And there's, there's th for sure, thousands of people in Eretz Yisrael now and throughout America and probably throughout the world that, that even though they're never here, this is their home. And... I was I was lucky. I had like an opportunity. It came up. I had an opportunity to be able to give back in a little a little way. It like it's a crazy crazy opportunity. I I, I didn't realize we were, when we were talking the other night. Like I didn't I didn't realize like what what I had. Like like no no one gets that here. We all we all get so much from here. Some some of you are new and and you're just starting to get it. Some of you have been here longer than me. And 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 we we've gotten so 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 much from here. And we all have an opportunity to give back. And Rebbe said it. Like, we all... It, it, we, the, Rebbe, it's so cool about what you built here is that everyone builds it. It's a new... 
uh, how many years, right? This is the seventh year that I've watched people saying, this place sucks compared to last year, right? And then three months later, they love it again, right? Because it was, but it's a different place. It was recreated. Every year this place is recreated. So we all have that opportunity, and, and, but a little bit of it stays from last year. Like you always have that opportunity to give back. And I, I was lucky to have maybe even like a, a little more of a major role to, to be able to give back. And like leaving here, it's, it's, it's so, it's so, so I'm not like, the guys that know me, I don't know if I'm the most emotional person. This is, it, it's so emotional to leave here. It's crazy. This is, I, I walked, the amount of times I've walked around this circle, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like, I didn't know how to think before I was here. I, I didn't, I didn't know, I, I have things that I do now. I'm, I could say, I'm not, I don't say it's like a, I'm not arrogant, like I don't think I'm better, but I have things I'm very good at doing. I, I didn't know how to be good at things before. It wasn't like something, I, I didn't know how to do that. You talk about like, Rebbe said, like the dignity you get here, like is it, you, could, you could walk around like, like, a, like, a, like a healthy, like stolz, like, like I, I don't need anything. Like you, you became someone big, big here, all of us. I, many, many of you I, I was here with for a long, long time relationships here are there's nowhere in the world relationships are like this there's nowhere like i mean there now there is because it's spread around but this is not like real i i went back to my high school a couple months ago my rebbe from high school got honored he, he, he actually moved to boca so and i was and we had a very very real conversation i i i, I was very you know moved by it. i was close to him in high school but my close to him in high school was like you would tell him what rule you were breaking and he would and he was a better lawyer that would convince you out of it and that was a close conversation we had a real real conversation he i saw he was like shaken up even the next night by the dinner he was getting honored there was a lot going on he like pulled me aside he was shaken up like people don't have this what we have here and it's i, I I'm, I'm not telling you to take advantage of it I, I don't even know what that means like if when, when you connect to things you, you you connect to them but there's so much here and I, What's this? What's the story? You remember a while ago with Arya, with like Rav Chaim with the Kolo? You remember that? Where it was, it was like five hundred times that. Like, can you imagine how many times you're getting? Can you imagine this place is like it's an it's it's not just you know the the like the that line they have like uh, if you feed a you teach a man you give a man a fish or whatever he is for the day you teach a man a fish like this is like an endless endless thing you, you taught us like the skills of life. It's it's crazy, and it was and and it, and it came from this way of not like I I was thinking I've probably I've probably been to I've been to hundreds and hundreds of Musar Shiram from Rebbe at this point probably close to a thousand, and with all that like the, the what, what what it's rooted in is 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 that far from Ladava that 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 when when there's all these things that other people can't be there for and other things like someone's here for you. If it's going to be Rebbe, if it's going to be another guy, if it's just the whole yeshiva, if it's just this place, for a lot of people, I think it's this room. That every, it's, this yeshiva is here for you. There's like, there's people to go to. I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, my thoughts are like, it's completely not collected. I'm, I'm all over the place. It's just like, it's like pouring out. Like this is, uh, it's a long, long time I've been here and the, there's so, so much. I've been through many, many different stages here. Like the, there's, uh, I'm Rebbe, you, you know, I, I, most of them are in public, but like you, you, right? in so many different guys, and it's crazy, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's, I, I, I thank you all for the new guys that, that you know, you're as part of it as, as, as the guys that were here before. It's like, 
as cliche as it is, there's a reason things are cliche, and, and it's, it's one massive family. And like in most families, things aren't always smooth, but it's just one massive family. And I, 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 I really, I thank you all for it, Rebbe. I, There's, another, there's a word I wanted to share in Musarad today, and we'll get there yet. We didn't start Musarad. We're, we're, we're talking about Swirli today. We have Swirli at banking. There's a word I want to share with you. I want to say that we don't have a monopoly on truth here. And it's dangerous. You're allowed to not be real here. Nobody has to be real here. Never. You, I promise you don't have to be real. We all have fake and real. I promise. I daven shmanesrei, this fake and real. I want to speak this really, this fake and real. I, inside, if I would be vulnerable for a minute, there's somebody who was here for many, many years, and we've had a relationship, and like anything, there are ups and downs and complications and human beings. What, what, what Waterbury is, to say it's a place of real, we love, I, I do not get upset at fake because I accept the fake in me. I don't call schools fake. There's, there's realness in schools. Everybody's, everybody's trying to work to real. What's here is an honest attempt to be mechazic towards real. It's very dangerous to make a place that only has real that's not healthy because it's not human. We're human. We have parts. Any guy, we just had a mencha in Yeshiva 115. Every shackle was real. Every word was true. No such thing. I dive in chakras. Not all my words were real. Real means you're there, you're in conscious contact, you mean it. It's a journey towards real. It's a place that cares about that journey to real. That's what it is. We accept parts that aren't real. I love this about where you don't have to be real. You, you just have to be towards real and trying to capture real, trying to live more in that place. That's what the yeshiva is. Rev Srili's journey has been beautiful and it continues. It continues all our journeys. We don't like walk out of the yeshiva and like, we're, it's a lifelong journey of growth, of sincerity, of authenticity. So, my bracha, my closing, just a real bracha to Rev Srili. I appreciate you a lot. I love you. I respect you. And I'm just wishing, I'm wishing tremendous hatzlach in every aspect of life, Atzlacha and Gashmis, making money, being successful career, finding the right zivug, bikarav, building a beautiful home, gezunt, and every year, physical health, emotional health, wealth, success in every aspect of your life, just continue Atzlacha and everything. Thank you, family.
Mosavad's gonna go. Mosavad is supposed to be at two. It's three twenty-one. Five minutes, Rebbe. Jacob, I asked for five minutes. What was that all? That was a goodbye to us, really. I want literally. I understand that that was that was the most important Mosavad. I want to share something with you for five minutes, Jacob. And and I want to share as follows. Five, literally, I was Lina had to stop mid sentence. It's three twenty-one. This is not. This is. Five minutes and I'm done. There's a nation that's never allowed to marry a Jew. Amoin and Mayav, a nation never allowed to marry a Yid. We're very, very, we're not a people, we're the chosen nation, but anybody can become a Yid. Anybody, any guy can become a Yid. We're not anti Goyim, not at all. It's a Mishnah, Chaviv, and Adam. I, if I'm, I'm, this is, anybody here is a racist, get out of Yeshiva, get out. I don't accept racism. Any type of guy, racism is ridiculous, silly. Any guy is precious. And it doesn't matter, color, this, I don't like that stuff. It's stupid, it's stupidity. It's Elam Elohim, it's defiant of the Torah. This is a place of respect. Any guy, any, a guy is precious. It's Elam Elohim. Don't put down a guy ever, it's against the Mishnah. Adam A guy is precious. Any single guy. And any guy, by the way, if they want, can become a Yid. It could be Megayer. And we accept, the Gemara says, one of the reasons we went to Golos is to pick up Gayer, is to pick up Geir. Anybody can become a Yid, a convert. We're mitzvah 36 times in the Torah to love Geirim. Anybody's welcome into this. If a guy wants to stay a guy, we respect him, appreciate him. As a matter of fact, our job is to be a light on to the nations, to teach them about Hashem, to be a role models of sincerity, authentic behavior, a godly type of behavior, that is the job of our life. Anybody can join this mission. There's a nation, Amin and Mayav, that are not allowed to ever marry a Yid. An Amin and Mayav, Jacob, can never marry a Yid. What did they do? I'm going to say the first crime they did. They can convert. They just can't marry a Yid. They can marry each other. Even if they convert, they they can never marry a Yid. Why? Because they didn't bring out lechem and mayim, bread and water. When we were traveling out of Egypt, they didn't bring food to us. We weren't so hospitable. We were traveling in the desert. It's very extreme. There were nations that pulverized us and they were allowed to marry a Yid. You know, Mitzrayim beat the stuffings out of us and killed us. You know, Mitzri's allowed to become a Yid and he, a Mitzri converts, no problem. He marries our daughters, our children, no problem. They didn't bring, are you serious? Bread and water they didn't give us? We've been pounded. We've been pounded. And a guy's Megayer, you can marry. Amin and Mayav are marked. These two people can never marry a Yid. You know why? They didn't bring bread and water to us in the desert. There's something mysterious. You know what the Ramban explains? The Ramban explains that we had a Zayd Avram who saved their Zayd the light. Their Zayd was captured in war, was languishing in jail. And Avram's fought a war to save his life. And the reason they can never marry a Yid is because they don't have gratitude. Now, Avram, listen to this. The main thing that we study in this yeshiva is gratitude. 
Now this is we have Ram, this is why you're gonna stay in Waterbury and listen to what Waterbury is. In a secular way, listen, listen well to this, Avram. Secular people tell their kids, say thank you. I don't teach Hudi to say thank you. Say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Westerners were very polite. Thank you. A kid hears a schmooze about gratitude. Amin and Mayev can never be Yidden because they don't live with gratitude. Our grandfathers say their grandfather, they should have seen us and live with gratitude. They don't live with gratitude. Our essence, we're called Yehudim. That's our name. A name we said yesterday is who we are. We're called Ani Yehudi. A Yehudi, the Svasem, says, I am a thanker. Now, a guy Noah goes to a speech in a secular school and they speak about gratitude. So, okay, he becomes a good boy. So he says, Mommy, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Gratitude. He goes to the cook in yeshiva, the obligatory. Call out the cook. And he says, thank you. And everybody cheers. You won't get that here because I'm striving for something deeper, Jacob. That's very superficial. Express gratitude. Gratitude is deep inside of us. Every single guy here, unless you're a narcissist, it's very instinctive to have gratitude. Is there a guy here who somebody gives you a hundred dollars, Shimshi, that you wouldn't appreciate? You gave me a hundred dollars. Jacob, is there one guy in this room, do you think, who was handed a hundred dollars by somebody else who wouldn't be full of gratitude? It's natural. When we hear a schmooze on gratitude, somebody rips us gratitude, so I better be from her. Okay, thank you, thank you. He goes to the cook after the meals. The goal is not to express, though expression's important. Gratitude is natural, it's to live truer to self. You have to ask yourself, if you eat in that dining room and you don't feel appreciation to the cook, you have to ask, why aren't you in touch with your insides? What's happening? Of course the saying is important, chitzainius ma'ireras apnimius. Saying might arouse something inside. The question to your mom is, why don't you appreciate? And you have to discover that. The goal is not to say thank you, that's Western. The goal is to appreciate and to live in that place. I don't want to just say thank you to Cerulli. I want to live in the place that I have gratitude. The man busted it to help the yeshiva for a long time. I want saying thank you is good. And you should express what you feel. There's a bacher here who loves his mother, and I felt he didn't express enough. And I pushed him, you have good feelings. And we, we discussed, and he, and he said, I have to bring that out. And expressing could be what you feel. You have to ask yourself, it's not like say thank you to mom. I want my kids on a Friday night when they're eating the suda to be like, one second, I played ball, I was playing tennis, mom was in the kitchen. Now, good, say the thank you, that's great. And the expression, the saying thank you could help feel it. The saying thank you get in touch. I want them to live in the place of gratitude. It's not to be a good boy. Secular schools teach you and they say, Shmuzim, say thank you. And okay, then a bunch of good boys are like the guys who say thank you a lot. No, no. That's in us gratitude, live in that place. The Chayvis who says the biggest meat of a Jew is to live with gratitude to Hashem talks about what's our blockage. A father, when I was in California, said, I have a daughter who has no gratitude. 
So I said, does she have a personality disorder? He said, no. Sometimes narcissism is a personality disorder, and you could discuss where it comes from. It's a sickness, and they don't feel gratitude. That's crazy. I said, is your daughter sick? No. So I said, what's the blockage? She doesn't have gratitude. Well, and he told me the story, and we discussed what he wanted to know how he could teach her. So it turned out he had paid for something. Let's, let's say, I'm making this up, it's not what happened. I don't want to give the exact story. But let's say he bought her the nicest, newest car for $500,000. And she was clutching about the car. The car kept breaking down, let's say. She's like, there's no gratitude. I spent five. He said, you realize it's very hard when your car keeps breaking down? If you would understand her, you know what she would do? She said, but I really appreciate you bought me that car. You'd free up her pain is blocking her gratitude. Understand her pain, it will free up her gratitude. Now, I'm not saying what she should do, what he should do, but gratitude is not this unexpressed, why, what's blocking my gratitude? Why don't, why aren't I pushed? My mother put a lot into me. The goal is not just, saying thank you could be good advice. The goal is to live in that place. Why aren't we more grateful? Why doesn't it hit us more? Why don't we look at mom with a certain look of somebody who did a lot for us? Are we too busy, distracted, upset, frustrated with their own stuff? And then you get into deep places. The goal is to live in the place of gratitude. Not of co- and saying thank you is good. I'm not against teaching your kids to say thank you. I want my kids to say thank you to mommy. Now, I want it, and that's a deep place to be. I want them to have. And to live in that place, mom works hard and loves them and gives does their does our laundry. Now I have to live in that place for them. My best thing, Herschel, better than telling my kids to say thank you, is to live in the place of gratitude. Amon and Mayav had no such place. They cannot marry in. They're not shayachtas. They didn't live in a place of gratitude, and therefore they, it's not a punishment. They're not shayach. They have no shayach. Our essence is thankers. They're not shy to thankers. They can't marry thanks. I don't know if Hashem built them that way, if it was their choices. Good questions. But Amun and Mayif can't marry you. They're not thankers. They can't marry the thankers. The goal of all of us is to try to get in touch. And when we don't feel it, it's not like to push us, I'll be a better boy, and say, if you don't look at the cook, and be like, he makes you breakfast like you might say, but he's just doing it for his own needs, and you have to grapple with that. The bottom line is, is that he made you breakfast, lunch, and supper. It's very natural. You like lunch, a guy worked hard and made it. Now, maybe we're too distracted, too busy, too frustrated. We have to ask ourselves, what's the blockage to gratitude? But it's not an external, it's a natural. It's being truer to ourselves. To be thankers, you know what's deep inside me and deep inside you, a thanker. When we say appreciate mom, it's not like be your, it's asking what, maybe something's blocking. Live truer to self. The deepest place inside of me is I'm a thanker. If you want to know who I am, it's a little secret. I'm a thanker. You know the deepest place in you? You're a thanker. Now we have blockages to those deep places. We're Yehudim. We're thankers. We're appreciative people. Ask yourself what's blocking that. And we have all sorts of things and frustrations. We have to... There's something blocking something, so we can eliminate that. The goal is not just say thank you, it's live in the place of gratitude. Live in that place. Be alive, be more you. You hear what I'm saying, Maish? Sometimes the external activity of writing a letter to somebody who appreciates arouses, and in that place, like, we're like, 
it brings up, it, it brings up when we're in that place. I can get busy with stuff, and I think about a guy who came on determined to make things cleaner here and better. When I say it, it does help me like, when he when Surly describes, I'm Surly describes spending a couple of years doing for the yeshiva, I'm like, he's like, yeah, like, so it, the expression of thank you could bring you there. The goal is to live truer to self and be thankers. It's the areas we're trying to get to the yeshiva. We're not trying to produce good boys who say thank you. We're trying to produce honest people who have the gratitude that we're born with. We're just being more in touch with self, being deeper in there. So Amun and Maiv can never marry a Yid because they're not thankers. And the Jewish nation are thankers, appreciative, they're full of gratitude. The reason Amun and Maiv are punished harshly, they didn't bring out bread and water, is they should have been appreciative to a nation whose grandfather saved their grandfather. You know what? To live in that place of gratitude, people who don't live in that place of gratitude can't marry a Yid who, who, who were, our essence is gratitude people. So this is something, all of us, like a journey of our life. If we're not, if we ourselves don't get upset at yourself, if you don't feel, I don't know, I don't feel it, then you have to stop, stop and ask, what's blocking me? Hey, there's somebody who loves me. Hey, there's somebody who's giving to me. Hey, there's somebody who cares. What's my blockage on the gratitude we can uncover and discover and then live in that place of gratitude, of appreciation once we uncover what's blocking the gratitude. It's very natural to have gratitude to a dad, to a mom. They, 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 care, they love us. They give to us. They do so much for us. The goal is to live in that place. I have very much appreciation that guys gave so long. I want to announce the schedule. This is the last day that must will be two. Normally lunch is one to three. We've been on a different schedule. There's no English yet. We're not starting the afternoon schedule yet. It's now 3.35. We're going to Davin Mincha in minutes. In two, three minutes, we'll have a minion for Mincha. At 4 o'clock is basketball tryouts. Guys can try out or watch. It's actually interesting. There's the tryouts for the basketball team at 4 o'clock. The pool is going to be open. Chesed Hashem. The sun came out and the pool's going to be open at 4 o'clock also. Guys can go swimming. So they'll be swimming and, and the tryouts. On Thursday is the first day that we're starting the full schedule. There'll be orientation. We're going to have the normal one to three lunch on Thursday. 3.05 is going to be will be the normal 3.30. It will not go as long as it went today, tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be the normal lunch is one, 1 to 3. Mincha is 3.05, Musa 3.30. That will get the rest of the year, Musa 3.30. English is beginning tomorrow. I don't know the exact time. We're going to have orientation for everybody in here in the base mesh, whether a guy does English or not, whether a guy even graduated ready, we're going to talk about the afternoon program tomorrow, probably at four, we'll announce the exact times and there'll be English, Musser will work at everybody's afternoon schedules You have been listening to a shear from ShasIlluminated.org For other shearim on many topics or to hear an Eon shear on any Dauphin Shas, including Myron McClellan on each shear, please visit www.ShasIlluminated.org to order CDs or for more information, please call 203-312-SHAS. That's 203-312-7427 or email info at shasilluminated.org.